This week on The Undoing. This episode begins where we left off, with Grace sitting on the floor of her son's room holding the murder weapon that she found in his violin violin case in horror while her son stares back. They immediately call the lawyer, Haley, who comes over in the middle of the night for a powwow with his fam to discuss what to do. So basically, Henry claims he found it in the fire pit of their beach house after they arrived, and realizing what it was, he put it through the dishwasher. But... Like, how does he know how to use a dishwasher? Because I'm pretty sure no rich kid under the age of 25 actually does. Anyway, the bottom line is, this is bad. Haley says it could put Henry in trouble for tampering in the least, and meanwhile, Jonathan starts to completely spin out and says the ridiculous theory that, yes, we all did toy with that Henry actually did this. But in saying that, it's the turning point for Grace. It's the wake-up call that her husband, who got fired from his job and lied about it, cheated on another woman and lied about it, stole money from her father, and then tried to run for the cops. Yeah, she finally is like, yeah, this is probably not the best guy. So she calmly says she's going to take the stand on his behalf, and then she confers with her bestie Sylvia Lily Robb and decides how she's going to fuck him exactly. So she gives this amazing wide-eyed, he's a good man testimony filled with so many holes for the prosecution to fill with inflammatory things, and it really puts Jonathan in a trap of being guilty in the eyes of the jury. Realizing he's fucked, Jonathan snaps. The next morning, he texts Henry to go out for a father-son breakfast. Henry, for some reason, goes along with this, which leads to an O.J. Simpson-esque car chase as Jonathan, who is in a total batshit crazy place with crazy eyes as he breaks down, sings songs like a maniac, and his son Henry is crying in the passenger seat, heartbreakingly saying, you killed a person. We finally see the full gruesome scenes from the murder as Jonathan drives off to some bridge where, for a few intense moments, you don't know who is going to make it out alive. Poor Henry. He's really going to need a therapist better than his mom to get past this. Papa Franklin and Grace are in a helicopter following along in the car chase and get there just in time to find Jonathan about to jump with Henry clinging to him. Jonathan is surrounded by the police and is definitely off to jail for good where I doubt Henry will ever visit. And that's that. And Big Little Podcast is back to talk about episode six of The Undoing, The Bloody Truth. I'm Teresa, and I'm a Jane slash Bonnie. I'm Rebecca, and I'm a Jane slash Madeline. I'm Carolyn, and I'm a Madeline slash Renata. All right, ladies. So we're here, finally. We're at the end of this. Um, Thanks to yet another cliffhanger cliffhanger that is immediately dismissed. We know that Henry found the murder weapon in a barbecue pit at the beach house and ran it through a dishwasher. Now, Carolyn, good point. First of all, that house doesn't even really look like it has a dishwasher. I mean, it's a lovely house and everything, but it's kind of rickety old beach house. But, like, you don't burn it Jonathan you I mean you put it in the barbecue pit but then you don't set it on fire or just toss it into the ocean so it will never be seen again like so so much about this doesn't make any sense like how did you guys feel about this whole you know well obviously uh the first thing I turned to Alex when Henry said well I put it through the dishwasher I was like 
bullshit. That is a mess. That is a that is a plot <laughs> hole because so I mean not like I grew up like fabulously wealthy or anything, but like yeah, I was like pretty coddled and if you had asked me to use a dishwasher at 12, I would have stood there staring at you helplessly. I would have had no fucking clue. None. Like, maybe I could have figured out a washing machine. Like, I might have, like, touched one of those. But a dishwasher? No. So when this kid says he used a dishwasher without, you know, an adult supervising him, I was like, yeah, that's just bogus. Mm -hmm. That was just poor writing on their part. Um, Also, where was Grace to be like, yo, bro, because he didn't do it once. He did it twice. So she was like... Uh, why are you randomly running the dishwasher twice like, in a why row? Why has the dishwasher been, been on for, for Well, I guess you're supposed to like... assume that she was like just sitting out at the beach, staring at the waves, reminiscing about her Big Little Lies days. <laughs> like I don't mm-hmm. know, but the other problem is, is if we're totally going to ignore the like, you know. 12-year-old Rich Henry knowing how to use a kitchen appliance, we also really have to talk about the fact that Jonathan. A a doctor, like an educated man who I assume has watched an episode of Law & Order more than once, as any human has, Mm -hmm. didn't know to just fucking destroy it. Like, throw it in the ocean. Throw it in the ocean. Like, I was not offended at all by the dishwasher kid thing in a way. I thought that was like kind of a stupid kid thing to do. And I kind of liked Mm -hmm. the writing. I was like, oh, yeah, a kid that's an idiot that sees a bloody hammer, like, how do you clean something? You either put it in the dishwasher, you put it in the washing machine. But the adults, it's just like beyond comprehension. Like the fact that Grace wasn't aware of her dishwasher running back to back in this beach house while she was like moaning around the rooms. And the fact that Jonathan was stupid enough to put the murder weapon covered in his DNA in a fireplace whatever it was fire pit on his wife's property and also i'm deeply disappointed in the detectives for not looking in i guess henry had found it but i don't know i guess at that point henry had already found it but like didn't they go through that house at all and maybe like looked in the dishwasher like i'm just so confused about how henry not only managed to clean this thing but smuggle it out of the house with this massive police presence yeah yeah good point because i hadn't even put that part together that like it's at the house when they come to get Jonathan. I could, because I was thinking, like, you know, you know this family is rich as hell. No one ever went to the beach house to search right. for Jonathan before Grace gets there. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense no. either. Um, and actually, it almost makes more sense that Henry, of all people, would know how to get rid of how to get rid of the weapon right like we he's even younger than us and we all grew up on shows where i mean we could all probably right. commit the perfect crime at this point right what? so like, he he doesn't know to burn it or to toss yeah. it in the water or do so. i mean it's it's absolute craziness and i mean this is long island right they had to drive over bridges to right. get there he never threw it off like <laughs> There's just so many other things that, you know, if it was one little hole like this, I'd be like, all right, fine. This is just like one of those things. But the fact that, you know, Grace didn't hear the dishwasher. Jonathan was stupid enough to leave it there. Henry was stupid Mm -hmm. enough to put it through the dishwasher. The police were stupid enough not to find it. I'm like, it's just beyond the pale. So, I mean, let's just dive into the fact that um, we now know it was Jonathan, even after all of our theorizing. And I would like to say that doing some poking around on the internet there were a lot of people who were certain it was daddy donald or sylvia Um, i saw a lot mm -hmm. of pro sylvia arguments on reddit and elsewhere 
Yeah, she is apparently owed a big apology because we're all bad feminists. Yes, (laughs) we're all accusing her of being the side chick instead of just knowing that she was a good friend. Um, So can I just say, like, that would have been the most interesting, like, way if they'd handled it better. Like, that we had all these expectations and it ended up being, like, the Occam's razor, the, you know, as Sylvia said mm -hmm. in episode one, it's always the fucking husband. Like, Mm -hmm. they had the opportunity to really make this, uh, you know, an introspective moment where we're left being like, wow, our own desire to see all of this stuff and turn this into a mystery blinded us to the fact that it was the the husband all along and we should have known, which is, you know, the name of the book. And that's the whole premise of the book. That could have been really clever and rewarding. But instead, Mm -hmm. it was this ham-fisted, you know, completely implausible, like, turn at the last minute and we didn't you know grace's motives were rather unclear sylvia's motives were unclear donald sutherland was a complete waste of a character it just felt like they they were so close to having something that could have been really interesting and and psychologically revealing of the audience and it just yeah they dropped the you know there's that uh expression like if you hear galloping it's usually horses and not zebras or whatever there's you know and uh, so this show just seemed to be wanting to teach us that that it's it's just gonna be it's gonna be your husband if somebody's dead mm-hmm. and statistically that's you know the I mean, reality dateline. of the situation dateline taught us that i know time, and though. i get yeah. that but that's i think where this failed us i wanted something mm-hmm. new and different and not just you know this narcissistic dude killed out of in this moment of heated passion and rage that just felt very not to mention the Swiss cheese plot holes in yeah. this. Like, <laughs> this doesn't tie up anything. I mean, it just makes me hate so much about the stuff we were worried about in the show, mostly the opening titles. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, so one of the things, I don't mind really that it turned out to be Jonathan in, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like, like we talked about this a little bit last um, episode where with all these cliffhangers at the end of every episode, that they then immediately like rip rip away in the first scene of the next episode. Something about like the kind of suspense the show gave us feels cheap. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it was so obviously trying to misdirect you at times that it feels like it only ever could have been Jonathan Wright because it was trying so hard to point you in a different direction. And we, I mean, I see that now, but the mm-hmm. whole fun of the show was for a while that, you know, for the first four episodes, I was really kind of enjoying that. And it was, it felt like a classic mystery, like a noir where at the end of, you know, to tide you over for next episode, there's some great reveal. And I guess that that's, you know, the whole structure of how it was meant to be. And then we're meant to be like, just kidding, jokes on you. It was the husband all along. It just doesn't feel earned. Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like there are so many instances in the plot that, were unnecessary if it wasn't going to have a bigger payoff and it could have been so much more rewarding if those things weren't present and it was a little more linear and we weren't I don't know I'm mostly thinking about the treatment of Grace's mental health like I feel like that's really unresolved Mm -hmm. Mm. I don't know why they included all of that if it was she was completely sane the whole time and she realized it was the it only took her husband accusing her son for her to pull it together and talk to Sylvia and then that was that yeah. It just felt like what was the point of her passing out and the snowflake moment and the opening titles? It just feels really gratuitous. And like, I, I'm like a little insulted that they thought that like mental health was like a fun misdirection. Yeah. I mean, unless it's that, you know, her father had mentioned how she likes to see things that aren't there. And 
paints, you know, a prettier picture than what is. And I mean, I guess we're just supposed to take that at face value, that this is a woman who met Jonathan and fell in love with him uh, and just wanted to see wanted to see the good and which makes her like a sadly naive and simple character in the context of this show not that like you know falling in love with someone and wanting to see the good is a bad thing but the fact that this was but we didn't get that we didn't get a flashback we didn't ever like feel that like invested connection in their relationship it was like weird from the beginning they had this like strange it was flirty but kind of odd cold you know, dynamic, and obviously now that makes sense because he was a sociopath, but mm-hmm. I didn't feel that, like, oh, this is so tragic, like, she should have known. I was just like, yeah, I mean, I thought that this was going to be a much deeper, like, comment on repression and how your mind can protect you from certain things, but it seemed by the end it was telling us she was of complete sound mind and she just happened to be blinded by love, which for a clinical psychologist I just and I know that's the premise of the book but I've started reading the book and I can already Mm -hmm. tell you two chapters in that it's doing a much better job of you know explaining Grace's interiority which obviously a book has the benefit of doing I just feel like the show really missed the mark here on well do you think that Nicole Kidman is it could Nicole Kidman be at all at fault for that as an actor because by I do think that in this last episode and maybe this is how she was playing it the whole time is she was you know, waiting and going to have this like flip happen in this episode and we would finally see more from her. But I felt like this last episode was probably her best performance as an actress throughout this series. I feel like it was missing a scene. Like we we yeah. have her figure it out in court and then the next thing you know, they're in this ridiculous O.J. Simpson, as you say, car chase mm-hmm. and she's in the helicopter and then it's over. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I want the payoff with Grace. Like, where's her, like, you know, scene with her and Henry off in Paris, like, living the dream without Jonathan? Like, where's her cathartic breakdown? Where's her confrontation with her father? Like, you know, something about, you know, he had this infidelity and now she's seen the light. Like, I felt like we were missing something really pivotal to, pivotal to tie this together. Yeah, I think it went really quickly from her being like, I can't believe you would even suggest it could be Henry to the father being like, you have to do something. He's just going to keep coming back. And then it was a little while before I completely understood what was going on with her testimony. And I mean, I think that's sort of the point. You don't know what she's you know, we we get that scene with Lily Rob in the bathroom with the prosecutor. Yep. And mm-hmm. but we don't know what it is she says. And it and it took me a few minutes, even during Grace's testimony to finally be like, oh, OK, that's why she had to talk to Lily Rob. That's why we got that scene yep. that I didn't like. Right. Where mm-hmm. she's like explaining that he's a psychopath. Yeah. Like, yep. But that scene still felt so insignificant that I almost kind of forgot about it. When it came time for that testimony. Yeah, and I felt like the sisterhood angle, like these two women had each other's backs, and you have that Mm -hmm. like almost big little lies moment where the women are coming together to bring down the trash garbage man. Like, Mm -hmm. and it was not that feeling with big little lies. We were like, yeah, get him. Like, it was just kind of like, oh, that's kind of cool that they were in cahoots, I guess. Like, it makes (laughs) sense. But I didn't get, you know, I wish we'd seen more of their dynamic. If this was going to be the payoff, then like, give me more of that. Or give me a hardship that they've got to overcome. Like, yes, she was the one that had the affair with Jonathan, and she realizes that he's a sociopath, and she goes to Grace and says, listen, this happened. We've got to bring this guy down. Like, something to give it a little more depth. It just felt very rushed. 
I feel like this could have just been a movie rather than... Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think that the way it was written, it could have just been edited down and been one, like, kick-ass movie that mm-hmm. um, I think that this yeah, I drawn mean, out six episodes, filling almost six hours for this show, actually in some ways was detrimental to it because we got we had too many holes because they stretched stuff out so thin here yeah i mean there were so many scenes of her just wandering aimlessly around the city that turned out to be nothing i mean i guess the only reason was to let us know that she actually does go on these weird rambling walks that led to her being a couple of blocks from the murder scene in the middle of the night for no good reason like so much of this show felt like filler to me um, that I, I couldn't agree with you more. This should have, this is the rare case where a book should have been a movie instead of mm-hmm. yeah, a miniseries. So the other question I have with this is, do you think that it would, um, it, it's the, is it the kind of show that benefits from a second watch? Meaning if we went back and rewatched episodes one through six, knowing what we know now, some shows are better on that flip side, I wonder if this one is. I don't think so. I think <laughs> the thing worse. that kept me going was the unknown. Like, yeah. I wanted to see how, and now that I know it was Jonathan the whole time, which, you know, that's, we'll talk about this in the book episode, but ultimately this is, you know, how the book was resolved. So there was that inclination from the start that, of course, Jonathan is a suspect. We all know that it's always the husband. That's always been in the back of our mind. Jonathan has always been, you know, we've doubted him more in weeks and, believed him and others, but we were consistently talking about him as a potential suspect. So I didn't feel like this big (gasps) moment. And Mm. watching it again, I'd be like, all right, there wasn't, it wasn't like there were subtle breadcrumbs he was leaving either. He was a sociopath. He was playing Mr. Charming, Mr. Good Guy. And the show also did a lot of work to make us believe that with, you know, the interviews and the things he said and the sympathetic camera angles and all of this stuff that we were supposed to, like, believe I don't feel like I would get any sort of payoff watching it again, knowing what I know. I just feel like I'm being manipulated here, and it's so obvious now. Yeah. I do wonder specifically about the first episode, because I've wondered about that party scene. If if re-watching it now, there would be any sort of hint that he knew who she was. Yeah. You know what I mean? But there are so many just bizarre things that I think would actually just make even less sense. Because now you're like, they, they don't, these don't pay off in any way. Like, for instance, that scarf. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, Check off I'm, scarf. What was up with that? Yeah. <laughs> but so. I don't that's, know. That's what I'm wondering. Like, would those moments be worse or would there be things that we pick up on that make sense? I don't know. I mean, I'm sometimes a fan of rewatching things. Like, I find it it, it can it can be an interesting experience, and um, I just, I don't know Maybe we'll this. do a mini episode where we rewatch the first episode, and we'll see if there's any more insight yeah. that we can deliver for you. And one of the main questions I would like answered is this question of the money that we've been talking about. Yeah. Where, like, you know, if Daddy Donald was paying for the school all along, then why could he use the school as an excuse to ask for more money? Like, that's another one of the things that feels like... Um, either we're misremembering it and we do need to go back and rewatch that first episode or there, 
I it makes no, no sense. No, he's definitely whatsoever. playing for the, paying for the school because there's the scene with him and the principal. Mm-hmm. And he talks about paying for the school for decades, and you assume that, you know at that point Grace has gone to the school or he's been an alum or whatever. But that was yeah. Confirmed. Well, I also he's, assume that's just rich people giving a school money too. Like yeah. it could just be a you know he shows up to the functions and gives a shitload of money outside of the tuition. But but the money question in general, like what you know, we never got any sort of background on Franklin. Why Franklin was hanging out in that museum all the time will remain a mystery. We can draw our own <laughs> conclusions. I just feel like. You, I feel this both with Donald Sutherland and Lily Rabe. Like, they're fantastic actors that kind of got mm-hmm. shuffled into a subterfuge. You know, we're going to cast a really famous person in this role to throw you off. And that just feels like a cheap shot. I just feel like at the end of this, this was all kind of, like, emotionally manipulative. And I wasn't impressed by the yeah, plot. It's... It wasn't like Ocean's, okay. you know, one of the Ocean's yes. movies where things come together. And you're like, that's rewarding. I didn't realize mm-hmm. that little detail was going to pay off. And it's cheesy and you know it. And, you know, you've had your doubts. But it, by the end, you've had a good time. I did not feel that way at the end of no. this. I felt like flipping mm-hmm. my computer. Agreed. <laughs> totally. Except that um, this is, we do have to acknowledge that Hugh Grant, I think that this is essentially the performance oh, yeah. of his career. Um, he did a great job. Yeah, this is the only time he has really... I kind of suspect he's just playing himself. Oh, yeah. yeah. Me too. Absolutely. <laughs> That's 100%. Yeah, this I is think him. Hugh Grant might be a murdering sociopath. Well, yeah, I mean, didn't... What was he arrested for, had problems with, the thing with Elizabeth Hurley? What what, what happened there? Uh, he picked up a sex worker. Oh, okay. Yeah. He just got caught with a sex oh, worker. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he just got caught with a prostitute. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was great, and I think he, as Teresa said, he's definitely just playing himself. And but I think he's you unhinged. know what? There were. But like I want to talk about Noma. That if he, that is himself, I'm really, really scared of him, and would never want to be anywhere near him. But like the scene <laughs> in the bar with Henry is so like fucking nuts. It's amazing. Yeah, that was like bananas. his face, and there are several times like throughout this where he really utilizes his face in like very contrived, contorted ways that are um, really impressive. Like he he did some really really interesting choices in this. So I would say the big takeaway from this for me, as far as you know, having all these big name actors in it, and yes, a lot of them were unfortunately incredibly underused. Uh, but Hugh Grant, I feel really, on the other hand, actually got used in in a way, in a great way for like one of the first times I think ever in his career. I was really happy to see him do this because I think like now, you know, I, prior to this, I mean, what did you guys think of him for? Like, you know, come on, he's just like four weddings and a few. Yeah, Bridget Jones's Love Diary. Actually. Love Actually. Exactly. He's the Prime Minister. <laughs> like. Like chick films, you know, like just being this mm-hmm. like sexy. So you yeah. you just didn't really ever see him play anything like this at all, and um, so it was really interesting to me to see him yeah be so spectacularly disgusting. <laughs> well, this is the big disappointment, right? Like all of these actors are super talented, and they gave good performances. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe with the exception being Nicole Kidman, but I don't. Now I feel a lot more sympathy for her because I feel like this was such a confusing character and she was getting told probably like different things every Mm. episode like act you know sort of like like your head's in the clouds this episode and now you're this like really focused empowered woman that's set this trap for your husband I just feel like it was a very strange role but across the board the acting was really great I mean we had some fantastic Mm -hmm. performances the writing wasn't atrocious 
you know, the dialogue, I mean, but the right. crafting of the story, I just feel like that's what's let me down. You know, and it wasn't visually sumptuous and the music wasn't great. So all those things we look for in a David E. Kelly production were missing. And I think this was a big pivot for him. And I don't necessarily think it was successful. Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot in relation to Big Little Lies, right? I mean, it's the show that started it all for us. And um, I think, you know, I, I keep coming back to these cliffhangers at the end of the every episode, which just felt like a complete cheap shot every yep. time. Like, you have to come back next week to find out why Grace was randomly wandering <laughs> yeah. around on this camera in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. Or you have to come back to find out who used this mallet to smash this lady in the face and then put it in a violin case um whereas with big little lies i felt like they did a better job of focusing on the central mystery yeah and having like they're definitely con and i think part of it there was that we didn't know who was dead either yep. right we didn't know who was dead and we didn't know who killed them and so you were constantly, they were constantly throwing these options at you and there were plenty that you knew probably, like, no one really believed Nathan and Ed were going to be, like, the, the victim and the killer because they're just not important enough to the story. But, you know, they'd throw that kind of stuff in there just in case. But then you had all this other stuff going on around it and you had the talking heads yep. to make you believe that... um you know, they all thought that Madeline was sort of the catalyst for a lot of this. So you tended to look at what was going on around her, even though we knew that what was going on with Celeste and Perry was a much more dire situation than anything that was going on with Madeline. We also felt like that episode, those that episode, that series, we were often in disagreement about who we thought was dead and who we thought the killer was. It wasn't like the undoing where we were in agreement every episode. This is the episode we're so, so supposed to suspect right. Henry. This is the episode we're supposed to suspect. I cannot say suppose and suspect next to each other, but you know <laughs> what I'm trying to say. It was very clear by the end of the episode who our prime suspect was and who the next week's episode suspect was going to be. And in mm -hmm. Big Little Lies, the world was bigger and richer. And as you said, Teresa, there was all these other plots going on. There was Madeline's affair. There was Nathan and Bonnie's relationship. There was Renata and Gordon's troubles and their financial woes and all of this stuff that made it mm -hmm. a much richer, interesting world that you could imagine any one of these characters could kill another one when pushed far enough. And in this show, it just kind of felt like there's one central mystery Everything revolves around that, and anything that's not central to that is just filler, which is why we got so many walking scenes <laughs> and museum scenes. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Carolyn, what's your final verdict on this show? Are you going to rewatch it again and see see if it, you know, comes out a little better in in the wash, or what do you think? I I don't know. I mean, maybe if I can't come up with anything better to do if I sit down on, on the couch and I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch something and I'm too lazy to commit to something new. Maybe I'll give this a rewatch and see like where, where that lands. But so, I mean, here's, here's where it falls for me. I mean, we have like big little lies, which I think is really stellar premium television. Uh, and then on the a complete opposite of that, we have, like, little fires everywhere, which was, like, Hulu's <laughs> mm -hmm. disgusting little secret. And uh, this, you know, falls kind of in between those two for me. So does that answer your question? 
Yeah, actually, let's use that scale for you too, Rebecca. What What do you think? Where does this fall on the three three episode rung? Yeah, uh, or three three show rung we've got going on here. I'm going Big Little Lies season one, Big Little Lies season two, Undoing, Little Fires Everywhere. Yeah, and the Undoing wins over Little Fires Everywhere because I did enjoy watching this, and I was you know there was suspense. I was I enjoyed trying to figure out who done it. I wish it had been more complex. I mean, my God, my friend sent me something on Sunday night before the premiere that some poor soul had shared who had <laughs> analyzed all the art that was behind Franklin in the museum. And one of the paintings was an old man, a young man, and like a middle-aged man holding down someone and bludgeoning them. Mm. And this person, like, it's going to oh. be Franklin and Henry helping Jonathan or finding Jonathan or something like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this would be so clever. I'd be so into this if it was this, like, secret Easter egg. And that was not what happened. Yeah, see, that's the problem. I feel like we were smarter than this show. You know what I mean? Like, I th- Well, I feel like it wanted mm-hmm. us to feel that way, right? Like, it was setting us up, all the audience members, to feel like, you're oh, you're so used to these whodunits, right. and you like true crime and figuring stuff out? Well, screw you. It's always the husband. You know, all of your expectations are wrong. Except the show set up those expectations. So it just feels like, and this is why I don't think I'd like to rewatch it, because it feels, like, manipulative and sloppy that they, it could have been so much more subtle. I guess that's what I'm trying to say, is it really, in retrospect, feels really heavy-handed, when it could have been a murkier mystery with more Easter eggs and more implications. Like, I wish that uh, Daddy Donald had had some role in it, whether he told Jonathan to scram. Like, he, Jonathan called him in a panic. Like, I need, what do I do? I just killed this woman. Like, you have money. You are a shady guy. And he says, here, I'll give you half a million dollars if you fuck off and never talk to my daughter again. And he just couldn't do it. Like, something like that. Or the Sylvia mm-hmm. plot paid off a little more and she had some dalliance with Jonathan or whatever or even hadn't like just that that had been a deeper connection between the two of them or Grace's mental health like she saw something that she repressed or she actually knew that Jonathan was a philanderer and she just couldn't face that like none of that was there yeah I mean I'm actually gonna I think I'm gonna you know send shockwaves around our podcast world and put this below little fires wow yeah (laughs) i know i know but here's the thing with this one was like i could have not if we were not doing a podcast i probably would not have watched last night's episode or i would have gotten around to it when i felt like it but i was really just you you guys know i i forgot to watch the show a couple of times it really just didn't it i was you were the least in the middle of it for sure yeah i was i was definitely the least into it and little fires everywhere like at least it made me mad like in its badness sometimes <laughs> you know what i mean like Fair. and there was enough you know i liked the kids enough and there yeah. was enough going on you know the nostalgia was fun like, right and like reese witherspoon is just kind of fun more or less no matter what she's doing honestly and then the kids were great and and they're I always felt like when we're getting ready for this podcast, there was plenty to talk about. But there were a couple times with this show where I was like, how am I going to come up with questions for this episode? <laughs> like, yeah. she just walked around for yep. 15 minutes again. <laughs> yep. Like, I just don't. Should have been just, a movie. Should have been a movie. Should have been a movie. Should have had more depth. Either one. Mm-hmm. Like, I would have been fine if this was three hours. I would have been fine if this was eight hours and we had a deeper plot with more payoff. But six maybe, hours just feels cheap. 
three episodes where one is the initial yeah. boom, 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 everything's happening. The second one is Grace going back and forth and trying to figure out what's going on yep. and who did it and, oh, my God, why am I on this camera totally. or whatever. And episode three is the trial. And instead, it was it was just... You know, I think this happens a lot often with true crime things where they try mm -hmm. to, you know, Netflix orders six episodes and so they have to come up with six episodes and then you end up with Kathleen Zellner like shooting a car in the <laughs> middle of a trash heap for no reason. But like, <laughs> but, um, but this show really feels like it suffered from that. And, and I actually wonder if like, you know, you mentioned that it felt like some scenes were missing. And I'm wondering if, like, they felt like they were going too long and had to cut it back. And mm. that's why we get so little Donald Sutherland and so little Lily Rob, even though, you know, the, it, it's sort of the opposite of a, a Law and Order episode where, like, Scott Bakula shows up and, you know, he <laughs> murdered somebody. Yeah. Well, this is like, we hired all these people... And none of them killed anybody. You, you know what I mean? It's well, so there was weird. a. I think this is very true because there was a promo image that was circulated a lot that showed Miguel Alves, Fernando Alves in an interrogation room with our two detectives. And we and never, we saw, never that. saw that. It was just like the ice cream toss that never happened, but they were stupid enough to use it as a promo picture. And then you cut that scene and you look like you caught with your pants down a little bit. So I do feel like there was more there. And. I thought Miguel Alves, that actor, did such a great job mm -hmm. in his little scene on the stand. I would have loved to see his interrogation scene. And I think that would have added something because I we wondered that throughout. Like, what what did Miguel see? What was is he traumatized? Mm -hmm. I mean, all of this stuff could have made it more profound. But then it just felt like, OK, now they're going to put the kid on the stand and he's going to, you know, tug at everyone's heartstrings and. You know, I think that you're you're right. Both of you have mentioned, we've all kind of talked about how this show, you know, touched upon these mental health issues, but never really went deep on them. And I think that there were so many interesting things to explore with these characters that they set up. Yeah. And little Miguel is a perfect example. This is a kid who survived uh, a very aggressive cancer and treatment. Yep. <laughs> and, um, and then... You know, also survived finding his mother dead and then went on, you know, took a, took, took to the witness stand. So this is a kid who is very strong and, and unfortunately wise past his years. And, and the show doesn't really like look at that and, and stuff going on with Grace and, and Henry too. Um, yeah. I mean, there's mm -hmm. just a lot. Like, I think that this show really could have gotten into more and you know when you're writing it was show, more or less right they could have done 10 episodes and had it be a much richer universe with all this stuff flushed out or it should have been a movie right exactly it needed six to be feels more like or you less just it was the wrong choice where it was was yep. not the right place um yep. and when you're writing a show i mean you're you're you have all these this team of writers and everyone is kind of like spitballing and uh, oftentimes you're sitting there and you're using like post-it notes to like kind of like lay out a framework for characters and sort of like a journey. And a lot of times you start at the end and you kind of like work back and put in all these things. And I get the sense with this that this room of writers just kind of, it's like some of those post-it notes got like coffee spilled on them. And they're like, ah, fuck it. It'll be fine. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It really feels like instead of having this very kind of detailed, nuanced, like, 
where things really connect and uh, where we really get to at least go in deep on one issue or something, like some theme, we didn't. But it, it was still fun to watch. For me, like Teresa, I, I would say like I mm-hmm. would I enjoyed watching this more than Little Fires Everywhere, which I found mm-hmm. it was like the, the, that show I had to like bribe myself into watching. Like, even though we were doing a podcast about mm-hmm. it, I had to, like, really push myself. Especially, you know, once we were, like, two or three episodes in, I was like, oh, my God, I have to watch this. <laughs> like, it was hard for me. At least this, I was, you know, very genuinely looking forward to it. Uh, although the past couple of weeks, once Murder at Middle Beach started right after it, that, like, kind of, yeah. I, I was like, oh, good, Yeah, we knew over. it was a bad sign when our post-episode uh, text conversation was 99% to do about Murder on Middle <laughs> Beach and not about the Undoing finale. We're like, we could be in some trouble tomorrow. Right, <laughs> like, this yeah. This is not great. But I, I just really think it, it, it was a combination of the writing and the directing and the actors' performances that some... But or if it was, I can't pinpoint if it was like one of those or the combination of them that really helped fall short here. Well, so I, I'm sitting here thinking about like what what are some of the things like the post-it notes that got their the coffee spilled on them, and then they were just like, oh, just add another scene of Grace wandering around. <laughs> um, and one of the things like at the so at the very end, right? We talked a little bit about the bridge scene. Yep, and. At first, I'm thinking, oh, his intention is to drive off this bridge. Yep, me too. With Henry in the car um, to get back at Grace. Mm-hmm. That's what and I thought. And then, was right. And then instead, he stops, gets out, and he's going to jump off. Um, Not very sociopathic I, behavior. <laughs> exactly. But here's the thing. So she, I think. I think Grace actually says he has narcissistic personality disorder, right? So one of the things I was thinking is that, like, you know, he, Henry's crying and screaming and begging him not to do this. And I was kind of like, bro, just let him jump because, like, like, it's not going to get any better from here. So, um. (laughs) Push him. Like, that's what I was hoping. I'm like, God, just help the guy out. I'm so done with this. (laughs) But what makes him stop is when grace calls his name Mm -hmm. and he thinks like oh maybe i've got her back for a minute like that's what it seemed like to me and i was thinking about like some of these other scenes like the thing where she passes out and then ends up in the hospital i mean i think that's to show us how much stress she's under but it's also to show jonathan showing up and being a concerned husband Uh totally and so i'm and so i've also started reading the book and um, Grace's character is described much differently than much Nicole Kidman. She's yep. much more average looking, like she's attractive, but she's, you know, she's no Nicole Kidman. And I'm wondering if, like, in this version of the show, and one of the things they could have done a better job of fleshing out is that, like, Grace is the prize for him, right? Because yeah. he's a narcissist. He has to have this, the most beautiful therapist in all the land, um, <laughs> like, as but a truly, wife. This is what it is. I mean, narcissism mm-hmm. is all about that. It's having the shiniest, best thing that you own and control. And it's when that thing starts fighting back that this all breaks down. It comes undone, if you will. And that mm-hmm. would have been way more interesting if he'd snapped after she you know you could see him kind of coming undone when she was on the stand and getting hot Mm -hmm. under the collar but I wanted a better confrontation between the two of them where he explains why he married her why he pursued her why he was still so obsessed with her and why he 
was with Elena. And I we had that scene, those, you know, awful flashback scenes of his confrontation with Elena. And I wish those had been mm-hmm. showed more of the relationship. Like that was the first time we'd seen them dialogue. Everything else has been just like sex flashbacks. So to yeah, see and- them interact for the first time, I was like, well, I don't really get the impression that he really loved her at all and maybe that was again just a, a ploy but it right. did seem at times like he really did have genuine feeling for her and you know she was the mother of his child and all of this stuff mm-hmm. and it just felt like he she was a, a sex object for him and yes okay again this all plays into narcissism if that is what you're trying to say but the show was also trying to say that Jonathan does have these whether it's ownership reasons or not these feelings for the women that he's surrounded himself with and I didn't get any of that in the flashback scenes with Elena. No, and the flashback things scenes, I'm glad you brought those up because that's another thing that makes no sense. <laughs> like like now all these these things that are made to look like Grace flashbacks. Yeah. What the hell were they? Yeah, was she just clairvoyant? Like, I'm so confused. What was all of that about? Like, why were those coming from Grace's point of view? They could have been... You know, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time a David E. Kelly show had someone be psychic for no reason. Yeah. Oh, shots yeah. fired. That did <laughs> yeah. happen. How quickly you forget. But yes. Justice for Bonnie's whole storyline. Oh, my God. <laughs> I- oh, yeah. I don't know. That it was very bizarre. I, and, and I think this is the thing I'm most angry about is the red herring about Grace's mental state. Because it really did seem like they were setting up some reveal especially with the scene with franklin being like you don't remember things the right way grace like what was that all about what who who being the murderer would have made this show better for you for me honestly and not just because i thought it was grace all along it would have been grace to be honest in that scenario that we talked about where she does have Mm -hmm. like blackouts or that you know she was she had the ability to just kind of like mentally cover up or like mentally black out something she did. I would have found it more interesting if she had done it. Well, I think, so I think based on what they gave us and all these random flashbacks and all this stuff, like it, yes, it probably, it would have been paid off better if it were grace, if you're going to show us all that stuff. But what I think really would have made this better if it had just been, more of an exploration of like do you ever really know someone yeah you know what i mean like it it only really gave us bits and pieces of that which i feel like the book is going to explore much more deeply um i'm fine with it being jonathan i have no problem with that and i think it's a really interesting comment for a mystery show to set you up to think it's anybody but the husband that's guilty as hell like who's obviously got the most motive he's the only one at the scene all of this stuff, I think that would have been really interesting. But it was not the, the structure of the show did not allow that to pay off, and it it would have allowed for the Grace payoff. And I think that would have been really interesting, especially if she mm-hmm. acted in some sort of like break, and then Jonathan covered up for her or something mm-hmm. like that, where there was some protection, whether it was Henry or Daddy Donald or Jonathan or somebody trying to protect Grace as her own mind was protecting herself. And I don't want to say that. You know, I want the heroine to be like this weak, you know, mentally unwell person, because I think that can be a very harmful stereotype often in these stories. But it would have it just the way it feels like rude that the show even toyed with that if they weren't going to go there. Like, fuck you. Like, that's how I'm kind of left feeling. It just, yeah, it just doesn't because of and maybe there was a way they could have toyed with this idea and not 
made it confusing. Like, if they just left it at the her showing up on the videotape thing, yeah. which makes even less sense now, <laughs> like, that we know she really didn't kill anybody. Like, again, you are, like, 50 blocks from your house. Like, you are yeah. across town and, like, 40 blocks from your house in the middle of the night and you're supposedly just walking. That makes... Or at least she could have said, I followed you, and then I saw that you were having an affair, and I was devastated, and I went home, and I blacked Mm -hmm. out that. Like, it didn't have to be the murder. It could just be something to explain why she was there. And and just leave out all these random flashbacks and all this weird stuff that makes us think she's not all there. Like, it... I, no, the kiss in the elevator, unnecessary yeah. and gratuitous, like yeah. didn't need to happen. There was no precedent no. for that. It made us all think that there was going to be some like sexy Nicole Kidman, Elena romance, which would have been awesome. But that's not what we got. We, it just and then the whole like Elena's explanation for everything was so innocuous. Like I didn't get the vibe from Elena at any point that she was this unhinged stalker. She was like, oh, yeah, no, no, your wife's super nice and we're going to get tea. And Jonathan's like, oh, absolutely, you will not. And I'm going to bludgeon you to death. Like, that didn't make any sense <laughs> to me. She didn't say, I'm going to stalk your wife. I'm going to, you know, show up at your house and ruin your marriage and your reputation. Like, not. she seemed like a perfectly pleasant person that was like, oh, yeah, your wife is chill. Maybe we can all just be in a throuple. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, I mean – they didn't do Fernando particularly well in this episode or, or in this entire show, really, no. because he's just like very one note. Yeah. Angry, sad. He's like smad. He's, yep. you know, in the words of one Suki St. James, he's he's sad and he's mad all at the same time. <laughs> and which is fine, because that's what you would be if your wife had just been murdered and you found out she was having an affair and these rich ass white people were trying to drag you all through the mud. But it just seems like, I mean, he's still got this baby that's not yep. his, that he's yeah, like, just for no the baby. I know what's going <laughs> to happen to this baby. Like uh, he's admittedly said, like, I don't love it. And it's hard to love because it's the you know reminder of my wife's infidelity. Like, yeah, sweet. just go dump it off at the museum with Donald yeah. one day. He's always there. But we could have had an end scene, right, that tied this all together, that Grace and Fernando have some com- coming together and there's some, you know, hokey scene of them walking together in the park. Something like that would have just made me feel mm-hmm. like at least there was a bow on it and it just felt like it was. it ended way too quickly. There was no resolution. They blew a lot of money on that helicopter, so. Oh, silly. <laughs> so many helicopters in this. Yeah. So many helicopters I in this I also really did not appreciate the, like, throwaway domestic violence stuff with Fernando and Elena. Yeah. Like, there was yeah. no evidence, you know, prior to that. We had the one scene in the first episode of them sitting on a bed, like, looking like there was tension. But to add that in and be like, oh, yeah, Miguel told his teachers that his dad and his mom were physically fighting. Like, what was the point of that? Yeah, there what was, was this no supposed point. to tell us. It, it justified why Elena had the affair with Jonathan. So Elena's not crazy. She had an affair with Jonathan because she was feeling unloved and unsafe in her relationship. But then Fernando really didn't give off any. I don't know. The whole thing just felt like here's no, one I more mean, thing. I think that was just another way of you know, slinging mud, right? It's yeah. like if if even this kid was worried about even because I didn't even get the sense that there was violence. It was just yelling. You know, what about a the lot scenes of loud though? Like, were matches? those flashbacks? Were those fantasies? Like this is why I'm so still confused yeah. with what's flashback and what's fantasy because we had two shots of him like beating her. 
beating her? I, I mean, maybe I just tuned out. I I got more of a they're yelling. Yeah, I thought and it was like a, a yelling and a kind of vibe. I thought I he like raised yeah. his hand and then there was no. He, I like, think he grabbed her. her. No, I think he just grabbed her and yelled. Well, once I start seeing anything like that, I'm like, Ugh, yeah. I just feel like if this is not the, you know, talk about Big Little Lies. I mean, they handled that so well yes. and in such a nuanced way. Like why a woman. The woman's psychology, you know, in an unsafe relationship. And this was just like, oh, and by the way, there was whether Miguel is talking about his parents fighting or not. There's enough precedent here Mm -hmm. for him to get on the stand and say, yeah, his parents were fighting and it was aggressive. You know, I keep trying to grapple with it, the directing, the writing, the actors, like what failed here. But I I think in, in talking about this and in looking at it, it really is the writing. It is those writers who spilled coffee on their post-it notes and just didn't because in in big little lies like we really knew those characters and everything we're saying Mm -hmm. right now is like we're like but why but who but what and and we don't know these characters even the ones we spent the most time with on this show we don't know them like the sylvia character grace is a stranger to me like and and Mm -hmm. sylvia like we know nothing hardly about her other than she's a lawyer and she has a little girl who likes ballet or at least it's crazy mm-hmm. to me that the undoing is six episodes and Big Little Lies was seven. Yeah, but Big Little Lies felt like a full season, uh-huh. and this feels very much like a mini series that should have been a movie. Yeah, and but... they had so many more characters yeah. that they had to explain to you. Yep, there was so much more going on. I also feel like the editing is a little bit of the problem. Yeah, here. I like, think that's my bigger I think issue. They... Mm. I think they probably ended up making some weird choices about what stayed in and what didn't and wasted our time with weird grace in the park passing out instead of, like, giving us more of pretty much any other character. Yeah. Especially Franklin. I just feel Uh like there was so much stuff with him that was meant to, and I get it, again, like, lead us down false trails, blah, blah, blah. But, like, give us some explanation for why Franklin is enormously wealthy and giving Jonathan vast quantities of money and sitting in a museum all day. And the scene when he's sitting outside of Fernando Alves's house, like, was that just because he wanted to check out where he lived? Like, I'm just so confused about his whole entire role. Like, what the point of? You could have saved yourself some money and not had him in it, and it wouldn't have made an ounce of difference. That's what's been so disturbing here, is that we don't really know these characters. Um... And and I, I, we didn't even know Franklin's name for the first for first four episodes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 sort of a bizarre, it, it's it's a bizarre thing to like come to come to that to come to that conclusion at the end of a show that you invested six hours in it. And and if you were to like you know to talk to talk about any of the characters, a lot of the stuff that we talk about is like kind of uh, self-interpreted in a lot of ways. Like, we don't have a lot of concrete. And that's, I mean, I guess that that can be interesting and it makes you talk about it, but it doesn't make it good. And I think... Like, do you have a favorite character or a character you resonated with the most? I I don't. I mean... There's nobody that I'm like, I'll remember that character. And I can say that, like, there are characters in Little Fires Everywhere I'll remember. Yeah. I mean, here, I think, like, I'll remember Detective Sexy because he was sexy. Well, yeah. Uh, I'll remember him in my best dreams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, he, I mean, Hugh Grant in that last scene was, like, chilling. Uh, yeah. So, you know, and I think that, but, like, no, I don't think that there is necessarily, I think there were standout performances, but not a standout character that, like, sticks with you, 
if that just if that makes sense. Maybe I'll rescind and say Haley Fitzgerald just because I thought mm-hmm. Noma, that actress, did such a great job. And I well, again, the trial stand scenes were fantastic. Out, yeah, standout yeah. performances. But at least I felt like I knew her. Like I knew what her vibe was. I knew she was, you know, what her mo was. Which is funny because I think the writing did less for like we don't there was nothing really necessarily written about her it was her delivery her Mm -hmm. prowess as an actress here was like i am going to give you a character i'm going to make choices for you uh something about her just really strikes me as a method actor like she was living this role sure and i actually Mm -hmm. felt that way about the prosecutor too like that actress who didn't have a ton of airtime was great yeah i really felt like i knew her even though she really only was talking in a legal context and the one like pretty much nonverbal scene with her and Sylvia in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. But I thought she, I, I knew who this woman was. I, I could see her as a state's prosecutor trying to, you know, get the case. I, I, I just, it's too bad because there was such talent here and such potential. And obviously David E. Kelly is very talented and we are fans. So I, I think that's why I'm extra disappointed. I'm kind of like coming around to your ranking, Teresa, and feeling like maybe this is slightly worse than Little Fires Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I think it's I it's hard to say because I think compared to probably 65% of the other stuff that makes it to TV, it's pretty good. Yeah. Right? But like it's still HBO TV. Yeah. It yeah, it just this one didn't do it for me the way that Big Little Lies did because and I think in part because Big Little Lies was that mixture of very serious drama and really lighthearted comedy and it felt so much more real because of that world you know Uh, we all talked about this at some point on the Colin McEnroe show we talked about Big Little Lies and you know one of the things we we addressed there was this combination of something as serious as really hardcore domestic violence next to, you know, Reese Witherspoon, you know, throwing the puppets fuck or not. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. The puppets fuck. And like, but that feels completely real because that is life. Like there's absurdity and hilarity and horror. And that's why I kind of like liked the putting the hammer in the dishwasher scene. I'm Mm. like, this is just weird enough that I could see some kid doing this. And like, that is Mm -hmm. one of the only moments where I was smiling through my like, what the fuck face, like watching this. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I could see a kid doing that. So if there'd been more of that, if it had been more lived in and more real and not just the the meat of each episode is trying to throw off the viewer as opposed mm-hmm. to let's have the viewer be super invested in these characters and genuinely question their motives and genuinely want to know who they are and fear the outcome. I didn't really mm-hmm. care who it was going to be, right? Like, I right. want to be in a show like Big Little Lies where I'm like, oh, man, I'll be devastated if Madeline Martha McKenzie is the one that's dead. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, you know, who cares at this point at this show? I'm like, yeah, Grace could have done it. Or if... Or if Jane has to go to jail. Right. You were really yeah. invested. I'm like, that will be un- unjust and wrong and Fishboy's a narc. Like, all of this stuff yeah. that we were <laughs> deeply... And, you know, the second season of Big Little Lies was not great. It was right. not as great as the first season, but we still had all of these feelings. We still loved these characters. It was still making it, us laugh. And there were so many, like, great Renata moments yeah. that it just made up for the fact that the plot was, like, yep. kind of not really there anymore. And I thought Sylvia but, was going to be our Renata. Like, there was glimmers of that in the first couple mm-hmm. episodes. Like, she had this kind of bitchy, brassy exterior that just mm-hmm. sort of, like, 
evaporated by the end and she's just this smiling supportive friend which is you know again great for feminism not necessarily mm-hmm. great for drama yeah yeah so um let's talk about nicole is in a nice shower again <laughs> um but let's do a sort of roundup of kellyisms because the more we talk about that i mean there's there's a lot here right one he's clearly got an actress he likes to work with Two, he likes to put people in, like, fancy-ass digs and just show them off to you over and over again. But, um, you know, what really stood out in this show as, like, a David Kelly moment to you? Hmm. Hmm. It's harder now Mm -hmm. with my disappointment than it was before. Yeah. (laughs) Where I had some optimism this is all going to come together in a super rewarding way. I, mm-hmm. I think, you know, what you just said really, to me, are the defining things, right? Like, he likes Nicole Kidman. Great. Mm-hmm. We all like Nicole Kidman. He likes opulent houses. He likes the struggles of the rich. And he likes a uh, couple that has some skeletons. Mm-hmm. He likes a good mm-hmm. trial, too. You know, he did yeah. all those legal shows. And I think that overall, I was mm-hmm. really uh, excited that this, that we had the trial with this, which, as I understand, is not in the book. And I think that the trial was probably... Uh, it was a high point. It was a high point. So I, I and I think that the female attorneys were pretty kick-ass, and they kind of had this like tongue-in-cheek, snarky humor that uh, yeah. that's pretty David E. Kelly to me. Yeah, I, it, it's funny. Like I was thinking about Allie McBeal. Yeah, I was just about to so say David yeah. E. Kelly me show too. today. And you know, she used to have those weird moments where she'd kind of imagine things. Uh-huh. That was like sh- sort of the shtick of the show. And and I- I'm thinking about like Grace walking down the street and like seeing the dancing Uga Chaka baby oh or God. something instead of just like I would have been this so there w- for that younger version of herself. I just wished for a little more empowerment. If like this was going to be the mm-hmm. end of it, like give me the scene with Sylvia and Grace high fiving and toasting. Jonathan's demise mm-hmm. like give me some that girl power was missing and I think that this segment of the show could almost be like what the David E. Kellyisms that we were really missing which for me are beautiful scenic vistas which we you know unfortunately mm-hmm. New York can't deliver a great soundtrack and I thought this was going to be a great soundtrack mm-hmm. of classical music and that just sort yeah, of what petered out by the end music editing did they just like drop the ball yeah. on that and were like yeah. fuck it was that on the post-it note that got like coffee on it, it must have been because uh, I was really into like the idea of this being David E. Kelly's like interpretation of classical scores mixed into uh you know upper east side drama a la gossip girl it's just but that's elevated one of the things for adults I was thinking about but it if, did not happen yeah i mean if you rewatch this that first episode music was like a huge part classical music yeah. and then by episode two not really Nothing. at all and then now like you don't there there that wasn't there in any stretch of the imagination so that was kind of a weird uh uh, weird choice from production and the girl power like i i think yeah. if this is going to be the ultimate outcome that the two main female characters conspired to bring this powerful man down like lean the fuck into that we love that and it was just kind of like a all right sylvia is a plot vehicle to drive this home she's a lawyer she's got the in with this attorney their friendship is secondary to the fact that sylvia knows this attorney and can get a message to her at the end Inter- it's inter- I, I'm thinking about this now in context of, you know, the few chapters of the book I've read already, which is, yeah, it sort of sets it up that Grace isn't really friends with Sylvia. Yep. Like, hmm. they're not she, like childhood friends like we suspected them to be 
or at least like deeper friends. They seem like right. just acquaintances in the book. Yeah, like she seems like just another one of the other women. She just happens to be the woman who's trying to chat her up more. Yep. And so I wonder how big a role she's actually going to play in the book. Um, we should say that know. we are doing a book club episode of mm -hmm. The Undoing. So look out for that. We're going to be and read along with us. It's called um, You Should Have Known by Jean Corlitz. And I think it's actually right now, like when I downloaded it, uh, they're selling it under the title The Undoing now. They've like yeah. oh, it, ew. which I hate, mm -hmm. but they are doing that. So if you're looking for it, it might also be under The Undoing, but you should uh, get on that, download, and read along with us. So um, I feel like Nicole made a return to some good outfits in this episode. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really into the purple Stevie Nicks dress for the final, for her day on the stand. Yep. Um, mm hmm Anything, any other outfits stand out to you, ladies? I mean, I think in general, this show would have been nothing without coats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did like that after she, you know, really fucked Jonathan over on the stand, her father helped her put on her beautiful coat so they could just waltz yeah. out. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in a show that was about coats in the wardrobe, that was a really good moment. <laughs> I mean, which one of you sent the story that, like, that, that these coats are really tearing America apart? Uh, I did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, apparently not everybody loves the green coat the same way we do. No, we ran a poll, and the green coat was one of the least popular. People are really digging the white, innocent uh, mm -hmm. coat she wears to court. And I that, hate that coat. I do, I too. It. It's my least favorite. Yeah. I love the scarlet one, that, like, deep yeah. red wine yes. one that she wears it looks so great mm -hmm. with her hair that's definitely my favorite but people are not digging the green coat and i think the green coat is not bad i think if you're nicole kimmon that coat is pretty major. i think that coat is yeah. exquisite on her i think that you know mm -hmm. like with so many things uh it just it looks good on her <laughs> if anyone else tried to yeah, put it on i mean she's you'd look crazy yeah, we look like a lump of lettuce oh, or yeah. something. But but she looks like a beautiful willowy tree or something. Um, so we mentioned the David E. Kelly vistas. And if we're going to talk about the richest things from the show, like that view of the lake from Franklin's apartment yeah. is absurd. Like I'd, it had never even occurred to me that that view could exist yeah. Like, it is crazy beautiful. Yeah. I and also I, like them just casually jumping in a helicopter that was just standing by. I'm yes. Like, that's pretty rich. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, to be able to participate in a police chase via your own private yeah. helicopter yeah, that's is outrageous. And they didn't clear the airspace. I did wonder about that, too. If they've got police helicopters in the air, why the fuck are they just allowed to land <laughs> on the bridge and hop out? I'm like, any police officer worth their salt would not let that happen. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. That was... I, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, that is just... I think that was the richest thing in this episode, that they just had yeah. a helicopter ready to go. From what looked like the rooftop of the of of franklin's apartment also albany oysters are they rich they sounded a little bit rich he talked about them for a whole five minutes so i can only assume that sounds disgusting mm. i mean albany's like, in the middle albany of the state. Is, like, it is so far <laughs> so so far from the shore like yeah if you're in albany please eat trout or something do not eat anything that came do not from listen ocean. to sociopath jonathan frazier and eat oysters if you're in albany you yeah, heard it here no. first like eat a rocky mountain oyster in Ooh. albany long mm. before you eat 
an actual i mean oysters are disgusting anyway oh that's not true oysters are good god they're so disgusting you're an anti-oyster yeah that's a very that's very intense oyster carolyn and i are definitely the madeline martha mckenzie in us does not restrict us from oysters (laughs) yeah i i do love so i'm i'm allergic to shellfish but I can have oysters, oh. which are not shellfish. They are, <laughs> as I've... They are snot that people eat. I don't understand. Oh, my God. But it's, it's, it's the like... biggest marketing scam of them all that snot is an aphrodisiac. Yeah. Yes. I don't think they're an aphrodisiac, but I do I do enjoy them um, because they fall into a category of uh They're like a mollusk or enjoy. something, right? They're a mollusk, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had to explain that to mm-hmm. many a waiter. Because, you know, if I go to a seafood yeah. restaurant, I have to say, like, hey, I'm allergic to shellfish. And then I'll order something like an oyster. And they're like, uh, yeah, I don't feel comfortable bringing that to you. And I'm like, well, I don't feel comfortable you working here and not knowing that that's a mollusk. And not... <laughs> the richest part of this episode is Carolyn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You're welcome. Oh. Also, the fact that I like am accusing a child of not knowing how to di- use a dishwasher, which I'm telling you. Yeah, I we've learned like a lot this episode. I'm more compelled by Carolyn's upbringing story than anything that's happened in the last six hours of the undoing. Yeah, I mean, in in um, Little Fires Everywhere, we learned that you had taken a horrendous family photo in full plaid, just mm, like that is uh, true. just like the Richardsons. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. now we're learning a lot about Carolyn and how she behaves in restaurants. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we have fun. Oh God. Listen, before we move on to anything else, I want to give a quick shout out to the brilliant people on the interwebs who guessed correctly. I Mm -hmm. promised that we would do it. So I just want to Mm -hmm. shout out to Skylar Barrett, uh, Maria Betancourt-Gonzalez, Billy Baumeister, and Ashley Murray, and somebody with the handle bzy.dmg for guessing Jonathan. And last but not least, I got to pull her up so I make sure I get her name correct, our Fan V, her mother, also apparently is not swayed by David E. Kelly's machinations and knew from the start <laughs> Nelia Pomar knew that Jonathan was the killer from the beginning. So shout out to all the real ones out there that uh, weren't. Congratulations. Yeah. You weren't duped like we were. Congrats. I know. I Maybe I feel like true detective has ruined tv for all of us because we all just have to go down a rabbit hole oh, yeah. like every time there's a show no matter how simple the show might actually be yeah oh yeah i mean yeah. that's been the the big feeling i had on sunday leading up to this was how many people were watching this i mean you've got you know an eighth of the kardashians tweeting out about yeah. this like pretty big time like the kardashians are our windsors like that is pretty mm-hmm. wild and the, the internet was a buzz with people sharing memes and theories and i think that's why the reaction today has been kind of meh in a lot of the reviewers because it Mm. did feel like such a letdown and the idea that that's the point wasn't really earned well on that note is there anything that you actually would recommend to our listeners rebecca that's a good question oh yeah okay um so my lowbrow for the week uh we randomly watch we've been watching the mandalorian on disney plus like every nerd and the mandalorian mm-hmm. i have my issues with but after we watched the last episode we i don't know out of the blue kind of decided to watch the princess bride again 
which mm-hmm. I probably haven't seen since I was, I don't know, 12. And I don't think I've ever actually seen the beginning of the movie. And it really holds up. It was really funny. I was shocked. I really was surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So if you haven't experienced the enjoy of uh, Inconceivable in a while, <laughs> it's on Disney Plus and it was fun. My highbrow... I don't. Even, I I endorse this tentatively because I enjoyed it, but I also hated pretty much everyone in the show, and I hated the way it made me feel. <laughs> so I feel very similar to the show as I do Succession, which I love, but also hate everybody in it and hate the way it makes me feel. Um, and this is Industry on HBO. It is a show about a bunch of twenty-somethings that start working at some like monster bank that is called Pierpoint. Mm-hmm. It's some equivalent. Mm-hmm. And they all just are like sexually fucked up and ambitious capitalists that are screwing each over each other over and dealing with rampant misogyny. But there are some like really powerful, empowering moments, especially the two main female characters, uh, Harper and Yasmin, kind of have like interesting arcs that pit them against each other, but also bring them together in some interesting ways. And I think it was really well done. Lena Dunham directs the first episode, and obviously Lena Dunham is a problematic fave. So <laughs> the the show kind of has like tones of that throughout, but it's it's pretty good. That is shocking to me. Yeah, that is shocking that she's directing things that she didn't. I know. You know, create or star in. Yeah, no, I was surprised pay too. The bills. But it's pretty well <laughs> shot. And the first step, I really thought it was going in a different direction. The first episode, it kind of sets it up like it might be a mystery. But then it just kind of really leans into like why capitalism corrupts your soul very quickly. Mm-hmm. So it's worth a watch. All the episodes are out. They drop them all the day after Thanksgiving, which was a big mistake. So in my like tryptophan hangover, mm-hmm. I just <laughs> binge watched this show about terrible people. But you too might enjoy it. So industry on HBO would be my highbrow. Carolyn, what do you have? All right. Well... I mean, I guess this is my lowbrow. I, I don't know. But um, The Flight Attendant on HBO with uh, Kaylee mm. Cuoco and Rosie Perez. Is that, I don't even know if I'm saying her name, Kaylee's name right. But the Cuoco, girl from Big yeah, Bang no, Theory. I can't stand her. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't matter if you don't like her. Like, you don't like it. it it's actually good to, like, not like her because she is t- totally unlikable in this show. Basically, uh, she is this... Um, party girl flight attendant who you know does the international flight circuit and spends whenever whatever time she has when she's not on a plane just drinking and living it up and uh anyway she uh gets involved in a murder and it like totally Mm. uh just is you know disastrous to her life and she is really entangled in this crazy situation it's a really it's a fun watch um and it, it kind of is reminiscent of Search Party. Um, oh, I like Search Party. Yeah, so if you liked Search Party, this is... This so is, there's like a little camp to it? It's it a little... Yes, exactly. There's okay. camp to it. It's uh, it's a campy murder mystery. Like, it's a dark right, comedy. I'm into it. So if you uh, like that kind of thing, you'll like this. Um, and it, it has some really... It, it does have some really pretty some pretty scenes, some pretty views to check out because she does travel the world. So, you know, and I'm feeling like wanderlust, like crazy, not being able to travel with uh, COVID times. So uh, it's, that's fun. It's, it's a, it's a good watch. And uh, I mean, honestly, I don't even really have a solid highbrow for, 
<laughs> for this week. <laughs> uh, I sort of got into the binging of flight attendant and have spent most of my birthday slash Thanksgiving week uh, in some sort of food coma and or uh, if it's on binge. HBO, it can count as both. I think we'll count it. HBO as... is inherently highbrow. Like yeah, if you're watching I mean, anything on HBO, this you're a bit is of a bougie really bee. well done. It's beautifully <laughs> shot. Like. Uh, it, it, it's, it's good. So I'm, I'm enjoying that. And I guess I'll just give another plug to murder on middle beach. Like if you haven't been <sighs> watching that, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what's wrong with you because we might have to just do a mini episode on murder of middle beach. Cause we have so I think many we, thoughts. I think we do have to at this point because also I, th- it seems like, and I don't, I don't know this to be true. I haven't watched the most recent episode, but it also seems like it's really throwing the the husband did it yeah. old adage really out the window. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and on the like follow up endorsement note, I have to say that I recently watched or I'm halfway through Trial Four that Teresa mm-hmm. recommended a couple mm-hmm. weekends ago, and that is awesome. Highly recommend. So good endorsement, Teresa. I I mean. Scapiccio is just oh like my god the I would god die for her. best yeah <laughs> she she's the mayor of Duncan as far as I'm concerned she um okay so I actually ventured out into the world this weekend what? for a friend's Whoa. birthday yeah terrifying it was terrifying but a friend for her birthday um rented a movie theater oh. Yeah, and so we got a movie theater all to ourselves, like wow. maybe 10 people, so, so we were able to sit far apart. Well, that's the richest thing I've heard all episode. I know, and it, like it can't really be that rich. Um, she, but it sounds it. I know. Yeah, movie it, theaters like, are so desperate right now. They're actually pushing this. A lot of people are doing it. I think it's yeah. like $200 to rent a movie oh, theater, Oh, it's kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I kind of think it's like... Um, it might be one of the only ways you can see a movie because not only our theater, but the theater next of it, next to it, both said like private showing wow. outside of it. So what'd you see? Um, so we saw Tenet. Oh, was it good? I mean, it was good and I recommend watching it. And if you can find a way to safely do so to see it on a big screen, okay. because it's crazy. And I, but I also spent like the rest of the night reading, <laughs> trying to figure out what I'd just seen. Yeah. So, and as we were all leaving, everyone was like, so do you understand what just happened? And I was like, I think I mostly understand, <laughs> but I'm definitely going to ask Brian on the car ride home. Because oh, it's Christopher Nolan, have... right? Yeah. It's Christopher oh, Nolan. Yeah. It's all about, it's not time travel exactly, but it's, but. But also it is. And there are some spots where it gets really crazy. And there are some great payoffs, too. Like the Easter eggs. And if you're paying attention, like, oh, cool. are really yeah. fun sometimes. Um, but it is also, you're like, what? And there are still some things. Like, we're still talking about it. We saw this on Saturday. And I'm still like, yeah, but when he goes back in, though, like, is that a third timeline? Like, but what was is this that, not you know? your experience with Inception and Interstellar? Yeah, I was going to Interstellar well, I, messed I, me up for a month. Like, oh, I, see, I did not see either of those because I would never normally see a movie like this. Oh, yeah. Well, you this got, would I feel never like be... this is a trilogy for him. And he's, like, trying to talk about, yeah. like, timey-wimey you know, wormholes, and you should definitely mm-hmm. go back now and watch Inception and Interstellar. Yes, I think, so we did talk about, not Interstellar so much, but we did talk a little bit about Inception, and Brian said he didn't like that, but we both liked this quite a bit. But I will go see it now. I don't like, think I liked I, either of the movies, but they're worth seeing. 
Mm. Um, before you give your other recommendation, I remember what I wanted my highbrow to be. It was uh, okay. the okay. movie Run <laughs> on Hulu. It, it's so good. I had to like backtrack to make sure I picked this up. Uh, Run on okay. Hulu with Sarah Paulson. And uh, the actress who plays Chloe, her daughter, is named Kira Allen. And she is actually a, um, a disabled actress who uses a wheelchair in real life. And she plays her daughter. And uh, it is a really fascinating and dark movie. Good thriller. So run on Hulu. That's okay. what I wanted to share. <laughs> anyway, All right. back, back to Tennant. <laughs> So, well, uh, let's jump to my lowbrow recommendation, which is super lowbrow. Um, I spent, I think, most of Thanksgiving morning. <laughs> I just, There's only like four episodes or something, and they're pretty short, so you can watch it literally in a half a day or something. But The Holiday Home Makeover with Mr. Christmas uh. on Netflix. <laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. I mean, it really is to some degree. Like, it's this cute guy who just goes around in, like, a little old-fashioned truck with a wreath on the front. Stop. Decorating people's houses for Christmas like crazy. So wholesome. And, yes, it's very... I mean, it's basically like an HGTV show, only instead of, like, redecorating your whole house, he's just tarting it up for Christmas. And, like... There's every incarnation of it. Like, there's a family, a young family who bought their house and they finally redone it. And, like, it's basically a blank slate and they're hosting Christmas for the first time. And there's a family, it's a mixed family with where mom is Jewish and dad is Christian and they're raising their kids Jewish, but um, they still kind of want to incorporate Christmas for dad without going like over the top commercial. And so he kind of has to weave those two things. But the best, the absolute <laughs> best is this crazy Jersey Italian family oh. who just live in like Trump Taj Mahal. Yeah. It is a nightmare McMansion from hell. And they're sad because one of their daughters is getting engaged and going to move out. And so, like, they're going whole hog for their last Christmas all together living in the same place. And there, there is, like, he puts, like, piles of fake snow on the stair, on the no. gigantic wraparound horrendous staircase. And I'm like, bro, who in their right minds would ever do this like it, it like god eating every Jersey time Italians. you walk by it every time you walk by these piles of snow they're just going to go flying everywhere it is disgusting but but like there are so many rooms so many trees like it is so crazy gaudy it is just like it's like watching the real housewives of New Jersey just decorate their homes for Christmas or something. It is crazy. But I can't recommend it enough, as you can tell, because... It I, sounds great. I, it is insane, and I love it. Wow. Yeah, Alex and I actually pulled that up, like, on Netflix and watched the preview mm -hmm. for it. But, I mean, I basically live with, like, Mr. Christmas. Like, we, yeah. pull, he, we pulled that up the same day that he was, like, literally taking a chainsaw to our Christmas tree after we brought it into the house to even it out and make it perfect. <laughs> that so, is insane. Yeah. I, I cannot wait to ask sure. Alex about that personally when we have Alex on the podcast. I mean, because... he will tell mm -hmm. you the greatest thrill of, of his day was he posted a picture of the tree and someone's like, oh, wow, I would have thought of you as somebody who got a real tree and not a fake one. And he's like, that's how perfect my tree was. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So um, 
probably won't be watching Mr. Christmas with Alex, but because uh, he'll He'd just go on a rant how I he should like. have that show. Um, but I'm probably going to check it out in secret. All right. So um, we'll be back in a few weeks with our book club episode, but we also have an Alex episode coming up so he can give us some dish and with maybe possibly some other special guests. So we're not done with you yet is what Teresa is trying to say. Just because the undoing is over and we're slightly disappointed does not mean we're not going to turn out some more content for you. So yeah. stay tuned. It also sounds like it also sounds like we're going to have to do a murder on Middle Beach episode, at least one. Uh, I think so. Yes, please. Yeah. Mm. So um, with that, look for us next week. listening to Big Little Podcast. If you enjoy our show, please consider becoming one of our valued podcast supporters at www.thebiglittlepodcast.com or just leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Can't get enough of us? Follow us on social media at Big Little Podcast for exclusive content in between new episodes.